I'm Hillary Crowley, and this is the Good Energy Healing Show. So grab a glass of water, fill your cup of tea, pour some dish soap in that sink, and put your hands on the steering wheel, and welcome. This is the Good Energy Healing Show, and today we're talking to Dr. Kitty Fallon from thegloaming@santafe.com. And before we dive in, I'd like to introduce Dr. Kitty Fallon as a highly studied practitioner in all things healing and healthy. Um, Kitty, I know you're there, but give me a moment because I've got quite a list of things to introduce in terms of your education, and I admire you so much for the work that you've done. Um, Kitty is a specialist, and she integrates over 20 years experience in attending to personal and collective process. She earned her master's of education and an educational specialist in marriage and family counseling and a doctorate at the University of Florida, that's a PhD in mental health counseling. Um, She served as a professional counselor working in community mental health, crisis counseling, university career counseling, had a private practice, and as an educator and uh, of counselors, so the the healer of the healers, the educator of the healers and administrator. But there's so much more to Kitty, and that's why she's on our show today. I want to open, Kitty, with um, quoting you, if you don't mind. Um, uh, This is is directly taken from your writing, and you are a beautiful writer, I might add, and I think it's a really good way to just start the the conversation. Um, So Kitty writes, I approach my work and life with a spirit of optimism, hope, possibility, and integrity. At my core... I assume we are all connected and possess unique gifts and talents. I assume change is always possible and is one of the only constants of life. If cultivated and shared, we possess the potential to help ourselves and the world heal and thrive. Indeed, I believe the times in which we live in call each other, each of us, to discover, nurture, and share our authentic selves and transform our organizational communities. I believe now is the time for greatness, and each of us is capable of creating it. So healing and thriving. How do those go together for you, Kitty? Oh, gosh. Well, first of all, uh, thanks, Hillary, for having me on your show. It's an honor to be here. Healing and thriving, how do they go together? Um, Well, for me, and we'll probably get into this more, um, my journey of healing has been a journey to uh, help me to discover thriving when thriving may appear very odd in situations. I've done some of my best thriving when I have been the least well or healed. Mm. Um, so I think it's like they are, on the one hand, two sides of the same coin. But on the other hand, it thriving, we can just ignite and spark into our most essential selves, sometimes in the most debilitating of circumstances or the greatest of obstacles that we might think we can never overcome. Those can be our conduits of thriving. What's an example for you of your, I like how you said the best moments of thriving. What what would be the unexpectedly best moments of thriving? The unexpectedly best moments of thriving. Um, Well, um, let me think about that for a second. I am someone who currently lives with uh, a few physical challenges. And one of the best examples of thriving has been the gift of needing to be like MacGyver. And Mm. think of outside of the box ways of doing things that would be very easy to do if my body worked more oh. typically the way most people do. Can you help out my audience that has been sure. born before 1984? Who is MacGyver? Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> I know who MacGyver you know, is. MacGyver is making a comeback. I think um, Good. MacGyver is having a new series put out. Um, but it's MacGyver was a TV character that we grew up with. If you grew up in the seventies and he was somebody who could get himself out of a jam. Like he could, he could defuse a bomb with a chapstick and a toothpick. <laughs> like the guy, That's true. 
the guy. That's absolutely can, true. Yeah. It's, it's really amazing. And so I've had to channel that out-of-the-box MacGyver-like energy when I have felt most discouraged because um, my body is doing one thing and I need to, to do another. And you know what? I just did a, I just did some backroom research while you were talking, and you're absolutely right. There is a comeback from MacGyver, so you're yes. making a completely socially relevant reference. Actually, uh, a, dear, a dear friend of mine in Santa Fe is good friends with the creator of MacGyver and the nice. creator, I believe, of The Return. Okay, I'm really proud of them. And you know what? I, I believe in mythology and storytelling and popular culture, how, how it weaves all together. And uh, it's, so it's appropriate that you would reference MacGyver because uh, what, is, what is it? Um, this is a character, I'm just reading this off of the description, who has extraordinary talent. This is who you were, who are you were uh, saying is your doppel doppelganger. Um, extraordinary talent for problem solving and extensive knowledge to save lives. So skills that are, you know, not limited, but he saves the day by using paper clips instead of pistols, birthday candles instead of bombs, and gum instead of guns. Not making that up. Good job. Good job, Kitty. Well, I haven't exactly saved anybody's actual physical life yet, but, you know, if people's internal lives have become uh, more rewarding and they've been thriving, then awesome. I'll take it. Are you sure? Though, I mean, if you think, uh, honestly, you hold a PhD in mental health counseling. I mean, we see so much pain out there. I, I would guess that you probably have, if you haven't physically saved their lives, which is, you know, a, a result of all sorts of issues that you understand more than I do, but, but certainly you've turned lives into having value or, or, or sanity or what, what are some of the words you guys use in your, in your industry about how people turn from despair and suffering into healing and thriving? You know, what's coming to mind right now, and this is probably one of the greatest lessons that I've learned over the last 20 plus years, is that it's the choices that we make that the best I can do is to help you reconnect with and remember who you are and your desire to live and not just live, but to thrive and to live well. For example, the you know, you asked me, or you alluded to whether or not I had ever saved someone's actual life. And I recalled back to, to a time when I was a crisis counselor and mm -hmm. my partner and I were sitting with a gentleman out in the middle of nowhere, Northern Florida. And we had gone to his house because he was suicidal. And we were sitting with him at, at he lived in a, in an old single wide and we were sitting next to him, um, on, on a, an, an old outside table and the gun was on the table and I asked him something extremely stupid because um, I was pretty young and new and I asked him if the gun was loaded <laughs> <laughs> and he looked at me I can still see the look in his face as though I had three heads and said what do you think but oh. then he came back with this tremendously funny comment he said I don't want to kill you I want to kill myself which we all laughed at. And, you know, at the end of the day, he agreed to take the bullets out of the gun and he agreed to get some help. But I didn't do anything. He made the choice to say, not now. Wait, there's more. And that's, that's where the power is. So my power is to facilitate people discovering their own power. And they've just mm -hmm. forgotten about it. That's all. They've just disconnected right. from it. That's all. And I'm going to help them remember. I, I love that you just told a story of walking into a house with a person who is, you're alerted to this person because he's suicidal and you're not just walking into somebody sitting on the floor. They're actually sitting next to a loaded gun. And, and you said you laughed. You guys laughed we together. We did. And Would that and, count as a thriving yet? Or is that... <laughs> I think it was a thriving moment for him and us. Because it broke the tension. At that point, the three of us, my partner and this gentleman and I, began to simply connect as humans. <laughs> and that's what it's all about anyway. Yeah, right. You saw, you saw his humanity. And, and he, he saw ours. And he saw his own. Yeah. 
He did. He saw his own. I actually think that's, I have so much respect for comedians because they just like get us looking at our humanity all the time. And you can't really get a good laugh, a really good laugh, unless you're tuned into humanity. You know, like as awesome as our beautiful four-legger, four-leggers are, like your Chesapeake, who's still yeah. sitting on your lap, I think. No, maybe? she wandered off. She got bored. Oh, she got bored. Yeah, well, I, I see her. She's giving herself a bath, which is an OCD compunction of hers to do every few minutes. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Well, you know, they're wonderful, but you can't have a belly laugh with them. I mean, you can sort of have a belly laugh with them, but it really is a human connection to to laughter, isn't it? You know? Um, it is. Well, and of course, Robin Williams was our guru. Oh, yeah. Looking oh, yeah. at our humanity and so beautifully uh-huh. highlighting. I, I think of him so often. I know you, um, I remember we spoke around that time. We connected around that time and, um, you did a beautiful job listing off all of the work that he did and the body of work that he did. Um, I mean, and these studies, I mean, I think one of the most poignant, um, films ever made about suicide was dead poet society. Yes. I mean, for its own reasons, it was also about so many things, cultural and and isolation and male culture and we could go on and on but it was it, it, you remember that you remember that that loss and you remember that oh captain my captain moment and he lived that and he he yeah yeah that yeah. was uh he that was, was an to some degree case. our generations oh captain my captain yes he still is he'll he'll always be a teacher to me yeah were you surprised how surprised were you? Surprised were you shocked? I was because I didn't know, I didn't know what he had been struggling with physically in the recent years. Um, I didn't know what he was dealing with, but I honor his choice. He he took power of his own life, yeah. and, I, and and I okay. honor that. And that was how many years ago? Are we two years ago? Three years ago? Now? I think something around that. Yeah. I'm such a big Jimmy Fallon fan. You're no relation, by the way, right? I am not. No. But you could be. I mean, you kind of, you know, he's not a bad guy. Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't <laughs> mind claiming him. Um, I actually don't watch him very much. Oh well, you should. And you, what you should watch in particular, um, I'm going to plug this for all my listeners right now, is um, try to find the clip of Jimmy Fallon, and when he was uh, filming his show after he just learned that uh, Robin Williams was in fact um, uh, passed, that he had passed. Um, I don't want to ruin it for you, but I think because this is a podcast, I have to at least let you know that it was Jimmy Fallon doing an eerie, beautiful, heartwarming um, impersonation of him. Oh, wow. And then surprising even the cameraman when he stepped on his desk, you know, the Johnny Carson <laughs> desk, the, the Tonight Show desk. Just, just indulge yourself to that. And just... Um, it was just beautiful. And and how did we get on this? Because it's healing, it's thriving. We talked about laughter and hum- humanity and comedians. And um, You know, when you take these journeys, we just never know where they're going to go anyway. Yeah. And as you said, you know, it's all about change. And one of the ways we change is we pass on. So I, I hear what you're saying um, for somebody who's, you know, walked into homes to save people's lives, but at the same time, you kind of can bless another man's choice yeah you know um I think probably all of us are one or two degrees separated from someone who has exercised that choice and I've learned I've learned over the years that I I have a real radical respect for people's power and their choice and the other thing that I've learned and I've learned because I've lost someone to suicide myself is that sometimes healing happens on the other side and that's okay because I can't always see everything. We can't see everything. Sometimes what we see is healing happening on the other side. And one of my greatest teachers about healing happening on the other side was someone very dear to me who took her life and came back to let me know that she was okay. She was fine. So you believe that there's well, here we're in, we're, this is good. We're in kind of tricky territory here because I work, I work in an integrative healthcare setting. 
so I, and and you've got a PhD in health in healthcare, you know, mental health counseling. So I feel like I'm in safe hands of this conversation that I might not feel, Kitty, with other people, right? Good. Very good, very safe hands. Both of us are here. Because what do we say to the parent who what do we say to anybody who um, really wants to do everything in their power to deter that choice? Sure. Where are you at in your career with that? I mean, you're, you're, you've suffered a loss. Yep. And not just I've, one. I've had, yeah, I've had, I've had a few over the years. Um, yeah. And, and then at the same time, you've saved lives. And you're saying you didn't really save life. You just made a man with a loaded gun next to him laugh. And, you, you know, so, so. Actually, let me pause you a minute. I didn't make him laugh. He chose to laugh. And that is the crux of the magic. You see, he chose to laugh. Ultimately, he chose in that moment to live. I can't know whether he's still living or whether he exercised that choice at another time. Okay. But it's all about choice. And in that moment, he chose. And for me personally, my life journey to this point, and I can only speak to this point, I can't know what I'm going to be faced with tomorrow. But Mm -hmm. up to this point, my personal preference is to see a new day. Because I am someone who's optimistic and hopeful. And my preference would be for others to do the same because I know Pain and misery is oftentimes a stuckness that sometimes we we can dig a hole and it doesn't seem like we can ever get out of. And I will sit down in that well with somebody as long as they need to, um, as deeply as as we need to go. Um, But I have to remember at the end of the day that it's their choice whether to laugh or not. Yeah, yeah. Whether to live or not. Mm Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, here we are. And um, what a great way to introduce you and to start on a conversation. I hope we have many more like this. Um, I want to ask you about your, your, what you're doing over there in Santa Fe. What is the gloaming? You have this term called the gloaming. Oh, Um, well, thanks for asking what it means, because most, most people don't know what it means. Did you run this through? Did you run this through a marketing company, Kitty? Before because <laughs> I I love the name and I actually think there's a good trick to it, but because it must bring forth conversation. The name it does. A lot of people ask us what it means, and there are probably um, a good number of people in Scotland who are very familiar with that because I believe there is an old song called "Roman in the Gloaming." Um, but the G-L-O-A-M-I-N-G, the gloaming at santafe.com. I just wanted to get that sound out so people can hear that. Okay. Thank so, you. Yeah. The gloaming. The, the gloaming. The, the, the name of it, actually, my partner, Elaine, and I came up with this name, gosh, about probably about 20 years ago um, when we had thought about opening up a retreat center when we lived in Florida. And that was going to be the name of the retreat center. And we never ended up opening that um, retreat center. We just fell in love and got married instead. And, um, <laughs> you, cre- you created your own internal retreat center. We yeah. did. And, <laughs> and we're 17 years on to that now. And Congratulations. Wow. Thank you. Um, but when we decided to move out to Santa Fe and we decided to open a practice together, we decided, hey, let's bring that name back. And it was literally the Gloaming at Santa Fe, which I will tell you is a very long name and it's a long website and it's a long email address. So I apologize to all people who are trying to remember it and to email us. Um, But we literally had to do that because the gloaming.com was already used on a website. So we thought, well, we don't want to ditch it. We want to save it. So we said, well, let's do the gloaming at Santa Fe. And actually, having lived here three years now, um, the word the gloaming means that time around dusk or around sunset. And I will tell you, if you've never been to Santa Fe, folks, the sunsets here are sacred events every night. So the gloaming at Santa Fe is perfect. 
because the the gloaming time at Santa Fe is a special magical time. And we named our practice the gloaming because that time is very special to us. It's it's a magical transformative time where anything is possible. And that's what we're about is cultivating that anything is possible framework. It seems like it's a time of day where we should be going into the sacred. We should be turning towards the sun, right? And thanking it. Um, it's a natural time that our bodies and our circadian rhythms are changing. Um, and I love that I asked you that because um, when I think of twilight, I think of sort of bittersweet, but but that's not it at all. It's actually this beautiful light that that comes across and um, and blesses the day at the it end is. of the day. Yeah. The and glow. it's a wonderful moment of gratitude for the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and here in Santa Fe, a lot of, there are many places where people can get just front row seats to the sunset. And oftentimes people will gather and, and people will take pictures of the sunset. They will, will share them. They'll get together and they'll gather. So there's a real sense of community here around sunset. Um, and it's just fun. People who don't know each other start talking. And that's special. Can you send me a picture of your sunset today? And maybe if it's not overcast or if it's possible that I can post that with the podcast so that our listeners can connect to this right away. And sure. always remember always remember what the gloaming means. <laughs> Absolutely. In fact, um, I think there may be somewhere. Yes, if you look on our homepage on the um right on the the gloaming at santafe.com, the homepage itself, there is a photograph of our sunset out here. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. That is beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, totally. So, okay, so that's a great description. That's where you're at and this is what you're doing. Um but here's my big question for you cuz this is the good energy healing show. And I found a way to, one of the other words for good energy, uh, especially when we're talking about ideas and sharing ideas, uh, you know, face-to-face or, you know, words in conversation, ideas carry energy, don't they? So I wanted to ask you, what is your passion right now? What is your fire behind, what's your latest idea or your culmination what are you passionate about right now that um, that has to do with this healing and thriving that threads throughout your whole story of your work is just to heal? I get it, but not healing out of suffering. It's healing into thriving, and I always love that. And, and I'm imagining that must be what you're passionate about these days, but you tell me. Actually, you know, it's – first of all, I, I just have to bracket and say to anybody who's listening – Hillary just asked a great question. You know, if, if if you're driving, stay safe. But if if you're you know sitting somewhere, not going 75 miles an hour, just consider that question for a moment. You know, what what is your passion right now? And it's a great, important question. My passion right now is is at a global level, um, because what you said in the introduction, it it's really important to me that all of us, everyone is listening to this podcast right now, Hillary, you, me, everybody in our world, we are not here by accident right now. Mm. And we are living in such poignant times that can really freak people out, but also they can also ignite us to become our fullest selves, our essential selves. And, and that's exactly what the world needs right now. Mm-hmm. And, and we have the potential and power within us to change our world. And that's what my passion is right now because it's time. So you talk about global, you talk about, we'll say humanity. How and do you humanity have one begins- person- Humanity yeah. begins with each of us. That's right. So what it does it does. look like for each of us? Like, what does it, how do you help one person at a time? Do you, do you, do you help the people in the most despair? Do you help, 
what what's an example of of how maybe somebody uh, might not know what their potential is they might not know what their purpose is or they might they might feel overwhelmed on any given day I think it's actually very free and fair for any of us to really not know what we're doing here and that and that an hour later you can say oh yeah I remember um, well and how many of us think I'm just one person I'm too small to make a difference. You might try really hard to make a difference with your family, with maybe your local community, but you really forget your power. And that's all it is. You've just forgotten it. And so I mentioned earlier, uh, or I may not have mentioned earlier, but but I've shifted away from, for me, uh, doing counseling work, and I've shifted into doing what I call personal consultation, you can call it coaching, as well as organizational consultation, because for me, that's what feels natural. I I have got folks who do such beautiful work in my life who are doing healing work and counseling, and I applaud it so much. But for me, I've gravitated into doing more coaching and consultation work um, to, to really help people reconnect with what they've simply innocently forgotten. Um, One of the practical ways that I do that Mm -hmm. is um, utilizing a a perspective that just resonated with me when I I learned about it, and that's called the three principles. Okay. That isn't anything new. There have been spiritual traditions for thousands of years. There have been individuals um, who have had this wisdom but it's just been repackaged and rearticulated. Perhaps uh, it was it, it was downloaded. I'm in a safe environment. I can say downloaded, and I think folks will get what I mean. Yeah, yeah. That uh, by a gentleman named Sid Banks, and you can see lots of videos of him on YouTube. Okay. Um, Sydney Banks, but he went by Sid. Sid he was Banks. a gentleman from Scotland. Um, sadly, he's no longer living. He passed, I believe, in 2009. And he was living in Canada at the time, uh, working as a welder, I believe. He had an eighth grade education, and he was somebody who dealt a lot with um, sort of insecurity, personal insecurity. And it was back in the early 70s. He did a lot of personal development workshops. He attended them. And in a conversation with a fellow attendee one day, that person said to him, Sid, you're not insecure. You just think you are. And in that moment, if any of you listening have had those moments where it just feels as though the sky opens up and you just get this insight, and that's what he had. And so, say say the moment again was the moment again was um, it, it was a simple moment where where a fellow workshop attendee said to Sid, "Sid, you're not insecure. You just think you are." And he got it. What he got in that moment is, well, wait a minute. A lot of my suffering has come out of feeling my thinking. And so what he really got was an insight about human nature. And and as I said, this is human nature insights that have been shared for thousands of years. But what he got in that moment of insight was that basically there there are three elements to human nature. The first is mind with a capital M, kind of universal mind. You can call it spirit. You can call it source, God, whatever language works for you. It doesn't matter. And the idea is that there is this force much larger um, than us. And that is the universal mind is the source of infinite possibility. That is the energy that brings the sun up every morning and, keeps our planets rotating and the universe existing in the way that it does and keeps the trees growing and and the zucchinis growing in our garden. Mm-hmm. And that is the source. It is formless, but out of which all form comes. And that is one element. The second element is our consciousness. And that is the gift we have to be able to experience our life to uh-huh. be able to feel and, I, um, 
Go ahead. I have a, um, I just, I'm just giving you an amen on that because I was working with a client one day and um, we needed a miracle or that was the term that she had used. And um, the beautiful message off of her healing body, her intelligent wise body, which I think as you're speaking could be consciousness, could be mind. It could be, I'm going to let you continue your thought. But the, the snippet I got was, or that I wanted to share is that the miracles are constant. Oh yeah. Constant. It's actually, they're not even events. They're just being, you know, um, the way my heart valve knows how to push the blood through just the right way. And I don't have to give a second thought about it today, right now. Right. And, and, and you know, it with the miracle of the body and the miracle of healing. Um, so it's being conscious of, I'm interrupting you because I don't know what the second principle is, well, the, but I just the, had to give you an amen on that, you. that being conscious of it is, is, is more than half the battle. Well, and, and consciousness is, is a wonderful way for us to gauge the quality of our experience of reality. And so, for example, when, when I feel kind of very mired down at ground level and I look around and I see the world in which we live right now and, and I see the various calamities and problems going on. When I'm at the ground level, my consciousness um, has a lot of fear in it and um, is very immediate. I, I'm highly reactive to what's going on in my immediate world. Am I in danger? And um, am I at, at risk? And so when I can raise my consciousness, when I can literally rise to a different level of awareness of my experience, then I begin to feel the world differently and I can access greater love and compassion. And so my consciousness is a great way for me to assess where am I right now? Am I really in a chaotic, frenzied, fearful place? Or am I in a, in a place where I can see a bigger picture? I can literally have a view from the mountaintop as opposed to down at ground level. That's consciousness. And the final element, and this is the magical one, is thought. And all we are is our experience of our thinking. Mm. And can you so, say that again? Can you say that again? This is really magical to me. So all we are is our experience of our thinking. So, so, so I, I well, want to just pause you for a second. Sure. So with your PhD in mental health counseling, your 20 years of experience with crisis counseling, and you're the, you've educated other counselors, here you are, this is what you're passionate about, and it is that all we are Say it. Could you say it one more time? Because that really struck me. That really floored me. That we are our experience of our thoughts. We are the and, experience and, of our thoughts. Okay. And I, can, I can make this really personal. Okay. okay. So, so I have been someone who uh, for the last 15 years or so has lived with a diagnosis of multiple sclerosis. I probably had the symptoms back when I was 20. So that was, that would be about 20 plus years ago. And so when I was diagnosed, you know, went to the neurologists and had all the MRIs and the tests and looked at the results of the MRI and had neurologists interpret them for me to say, you know, you have multiple lesions on your brain and your spinal cord. I didn't realize at the time just how much I believed that. And so I basically, I, I put concrete on that thought, meaning that I made it very solid. And I very much believed that for 15 years, up until uh, maybe a little less, maybe about 12 years ago, up until about three years ago. And that making solid that thought and, and let me back up for a moment by saying that what are thoughts? First of all, I, I believe that we do not have control over the thoughts that come into our head. Okay, they pop in there. Mm -hmm. Some of them we And see you're an expert on thoughts. 
You're an well, expert on how the how we, the brain works, I'd say. We're all works in progress. I you know, we're all students of life. And I've just learned and 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 a fellow coach named Michael Neal, who I have a a, a link to his great TED talk on our website. But but I'm taking a training of his, and he uses the metaphor and image of a snow globe. And I went out and bought one because yeah. I thought, my God, this really worked. And and toss a snow globe and look at all that snow blowing around. Those are our thoughts. Ah, that's such a great image for my brain. Sometimes, <laughs> yeah, you know, you yeah. don't control what pops into your head, but what you do control. And this is so important. And I work with this with people. What you do control is what you, what you choose to pay attention to, what you choose to hold on to, and what you choose to let go. And that process of holding on and letting go and momentarily or holding on for 15 years or more. And that is so important because I can tell you from my personal experience that Pouring concrete on that, that thought, essentially, it was a conclusion that the neurologist came to. And I can understand why they came to it. I, I had all the evidence that they have said that, uh, you know, the logical conclusion is multiple sclerosis. But buying into that really changed my life for about 12 years. And I got worse. You know, my motor skills, my mobility... I got worse. I stopped exercising because I thought, what's the point? And I even had some doctors say, don't exercise right now. Really? Okay. Because you don't want to raise your body temperature. Oh, okay. And, okay. and so I basically really put concrete onto the thought in my head that I have an incurable, progressive, it's only getting worse, disease. And that's... And how did that feel... When you were living in that for 12 years, can you remember? I mean, yeah. I imagine some listeners have that right now. It They're felt living. like a prison sentence that I've been imprisoned for life without parole because it's incurable. Okay. It's progressive. Those are two powerful words. That, you know, what the doctor said is this isn't going to kill you, but you're going to feel worse. You're going to. And when I would go to the neurologist for my six-month appointments, and they, I would bring to them symptoms I was having, and you know, loss of bladder control, loss of bowel control, they would just simply say, yeah, that's part of the MS. You just have to live with it. So I felt defeated, disheartened. Um, I kept going. You know, I kept teaching. I, I kept moving forward. There was something in me that just kept going. But I, I had this overall sense of gloom that I have a disease. I can't, I'm powerless to do anything about it. About three years ago, we moved out to Santa Fe and things began to change. And so I you did, something changed for you with your... I had no idea this would be the outcome of moving here, mm. but... You know, again, Santa Fe is a special place. Santa Fe is a sacred place. When I came out here, I began to explore alternative um, ways of healing. And I worked with a sound healer. And I, this is such a powerful story. I really date the beginning of my healing to a session that I had with a powerful woman named Gentle Thunder, who was visiting Santa Fe. Gentle Thunder. And she does sound healing with, with various Native American flutes, with um, a grand hammer dulcimer. And she does, she had, I had an individual session with her. And during that session, I literally, I, I could feel and see in my mind's eye the MS walk away from my body. The I, MS, I, the multiple sclerosis? The multiple sclerosis. I thanked it for being a wise teacher. It taught me a lot. But I let it, it walked away. And there was, I can still hear the note. It was a small flute, high pitched note that called the MS out of my body. And it doesn't matter to me what a neurologist would say. That was my lived experience. And I've worked with an energy healer for over a year. I, you know, I, I basically amassed a team of people and I've worked on my nutrition 
And I don't think that way anymore, which is why I resonate with the three principles so much. Because for me, it was transformative. I realized that my thinking was making my disease worse. So, so they say in my business over here in the, uh, in the world of energy work and shamanic healing and Reiki and, um, that's called being a wounded healer. Oh yeah. So that you're, you know, we have a lot of voices out there in the world of medical intuition. And one of the fundamentals, I was just actually at a meeting, uh, at my work with a bunch of, uh, healthcare uh, mental health care providers, licensed mental health care providers, and they're getting more and more interested in medical intuition um, and intuition in general, right? And I said, well, before we go too far in this conversation, which I was just part of the circle, I wasn't leading, I said, you have to understand that there's a fundamental uh, piece to what we do in energy medicine. And I think you're going to like this, Kitty. It's It's that you do not name... You do not name a um, a diagnosis. The diagno- di- diagnosing isn't it. It's it's where is the imbalance? Where is the need? Where is the block? That's that's all you say. You're a beautiful healing whole body, and we want to remove this block or balance this. And sometimes it's actually hands on healing. Like I did, you get to experience that. The healing I did, of the hands? and I it was extremely powerful. Yes. And- and then, and then sometimes it's the vibrational work. And then sometimes it's, um, it's actually, that's why I think this is why mental health practitioners are circling back to this because it's sometimes it's the right idea or the vision or the removing of, of the trauma of having the concrete poured on your body, you know, and with, with words, cause words have power, I would imagine, Well, and you said earlier, words have energy, and I believe they do, because we're all energy. And the energy that I felt, sometimes very physically felt, was it was a very low, slow, fatigued energy. And that's changed for you? That's actually gotten better? Yes, it has, because I'm living more from my core from my myself, my soul, my spirit, rather than living from a disease, I I shattered that thought. I don't, when people ask me now, because it still looks like I have an illness, I walk with a walker, and people ask me, I will say, I used to have MS, or I was diagnosed with that, but it, uh-huh. but it no longer has any relevance to me. And I've not had medical treatment And this is my choice. Everybody needs to make choices for themselves. But for me, I've not had medical treatment in over three years. um, And I don't see neurologists anymore. And, you know, there are folks out there who would say that's very foolhardy. It's very, you know, but that's, this is my experience. Everyone needs to find their own. But what I will say is I've not had a relapse in over three years either. And that's pretty since, cool. Since the sound healing? Yeah, yeah. So I think it's pretty cool. And I've, I've basically taken responsibility for my life. And that's a large part of the work that I do. It's realizing that my power comes with my responsibility. So I'm responsible for my nutrition. And frankly, you know, for myself, I really, I really created the perfect storm in my body to welcome MS. Mm. Um, because I'm a kid of the seventies. I grew up pouring sugar on top of my frosted flakes. So from what we understand now of nutrition, I basically sugared up my brain for much of my life. And, and I, I ate junk food. Fast food was my favorite. I, I, you know, I wasn't healthy. I didn't exercise very much, but taking responsibility for my life, I've changed my diet. I don't eat sugar anymore because I know it's not good for my brain. I don't do it because I don't love sugar uh, because I do, but I know it harms my brain and I love my brain. Well, what would you say to someone who, who would say, why are you making me take responsibility for my disease? Because I think I poured sugar on my frosty flakes too. And I didn't get the same disease you have. Um, And then, you know, 
I, I, I want to just sort of, uh, for the listeners, sure. you're, bringing, you're bringing us all, as a good wounded healer should, right to the edge of cultural uh, norms. And, well, and, and, yeah. and my, interest, my interest is not, taking responsibility has nothing to do with blame. That's, that blame is judgment. Taking responsibility is where my power begins because I spent 12 years being disempowered, feeling disempowered, believing I was disempowered. Again, it goes back to my thoughts. And those thoughts, which are ultimately formless, created form. And, and so the forms that that feeling disempowered and thinking that I was powerless created were a lot of, of the challenges that my body experienced, a lot of the symptoms that they experienced. But taking responsibility is really where the healing took a different pace. Uh, I, I can't tell you, I can't, I can't tell you what my body's going to do from here on out. I don't know. But you know, my intention is that my body has a tremendous amount of power in it that I don't even fully comprehend because I never gave it the attention it deserves. I think my body is saying, you have no idea how powerful I am. Mm. And you are, know, you doing, are you doing something specifically, like physically, where you're measuring? Oh, yeah. what, what's been, going on with your body these days? Well, I've been um, working with a physical trainer for four months now, and my diet has completely changed for about four months now. And... I've lost a tremendous amount of weight. I've gained strength. My trainer, who is this amazing woman, um, 66 years old, strongest woman I've ever known in my life, former bodybuilder, when women didn't bodybuild. And she said to me, she said, your body is a different body than when you first came in here. And how long ago was that? What that was, was that? Four months, that was four months ago. And she wow. said, you have a different body now. She said, your face looks different. Your skin looks different. Um, your neck muscles are no longer stressed because... Our necks oftentimes take on the burden for the body when muscles aren't strong enough. The body, the neck tries to compensate. We essentially hold the weight of the world on our shoulders. Mm. You know that phrase? Yeah, so, I do. <laughs> so my body is different, and this is just the beginning. You know, I've, my partner and I, I've set the intention, I want to walk the Camino to Santiago. Mm. If you could look at me today, you'd look at me and say, well, yeah, that's a silly idea because you're walking with a walker and you can barely walk. But I'm setting that intention because I am relieving, removing the limits, the thoughts that I can't to what's possible. That's absolutely beautiful because I think everything that you're saying right now is breaking the mold of what limits us, you know, and what's, what's not functioning for us is so often, um, what is it? Isolation and silence. And we're talking about it and denial. And it's, it's funny and probably not that funny. haha. But, but, you know, you probably have people saying to you, you're in denial or, you know, or oh, maybe, sure. maybe you can imagine sure. that there would be naysayers in the allopathic model saying that you're in denial. And yet, you know, you're actually out of denial in a way. I, I'm out of the limited thinking that I've had. And I don't know the limits. I'm not going to put limits on. I'm very grateful. I know our time is coming near the end. I, I'm very grateful to my multiple sclerosis. I, it has been a wise teacher to me. I, I, you know, that would be a whole other podcast is to talk about my gratitude because it's taught me so much. Um, and it's also helped me to laugh at myself and to, 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 it's reduced my ego in healthy proportions. When you don't have bowel control, um, it's hard to have a big ego. I like, <laughs> I like to say that I may be full of shit, but not for long. Oh, that's, uh, I'm laughing so with you. It really put my ego into perspective wow. and in a good way. Yep. Um, so I'm grateful. And thank you for the lessons you've taught me. And that's what I did in that sound healing moment. I envisioned thanking bowing to that part, that lesson, and saying, thank you, you can move on. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter to me that Western medicine may say, that's ridiculous, you have more lesions now than you did before. It doesn't matter. Because what matters is my lived experience. And you're, yeah, and you're stronger. Yeah, and I you're am. Connect, you're connected with the mind with the capital M. 
You're, I am. And my consciousness is I'm living my passion. And that means I can share with other people. That's all I want to do. And you feel better. You're reporting that you feel better and you have witnesses to that. So yeah, I do. I mean, this does bring fundamental hope and optimism and change. We have so much to explore, don't we? We have so much to explore in this, in this world around healing. We're just at the very beginning, I think. And, and let's heal ourselves so that we can heal the world. Right. Well, you know, I think that healing ourselves does throw out uh, a, vi- a good energy vibration that you feel better when you're surrounded by other people who feel better. And um, yeah, I often like to say, like, what if everybody just took that time to take care of themselves and whoever needed them, whether it's a child or, um, you know, just whatever relationship we're in where there is a dependent, but there's always a, a reciprocation and a caring. But most importantly, we take care of ourselves in this way that you're taking care of yourself so that you can, you know, heal or heal thyself and then help so many more. I loved how you said that you sit with people, you let them go where they need to go, and then you can walk with them, but they have to be, be willing to walk. Absolutely. And my dream is to work with as many people as possible. That's another reason why I shifted into coaching and consulting because I can see clients over the phone or in video. I just want to expand who I work with. Well, you have a wonderful reputation and I know that you're changing lives out there and um, you're in a sacred place. Um, so Kitty, will you come back and continue this conversation with us someday? I'd love I would it. I'd love to. Thank Good. you. I'd be delighted. Um, And thank you, Marie. And I just send the best energy out to all the people who get to listen to your show. Thank you for offering it. Yeah, we will. We will be coming back week after week. This is um, the Good Energy Healing Show. And if you want to connect with Dr. Kitty Fallon, it is the gloaming at santafe.com. Spell it. You'll love it. Listen to the Scottish song i guess it's the gloaming and when you look at the sunset which we all have an opportunity to do at some point um we can think of you out there in santa fe doing your beautiful work and your beautiful healing inside and out so thanks Hillary. you're always welcome thank you so much dr kitty fallon everyone have a beautiful rest of your day rest of your evening and we will see you another time take care